0: Welcome to Anapolitech, a podcast dedicated to giving women of color a voice and an opportunity to share their journey with the world. My name is Kleena Bryant and I am the founder of Anapolitech and I'll be your host today. I'm excited to introduce our first guest, Cynthia Hester, who is Director of Global Customer Programs at Google Cloud, one of the hottest tech companies in the world. She will be sharing her story around how she started her career in tech her thoughts on mental health, diversity and inclusion in Silicon Valley, along with tips on how to be successful in the Valley. Without
1: further ado, welcome, Cynthia. Happy to join. Excited to share my story and be part of this project.
0: Well, I like to kick it off, you know, with a soft introduction of just, you know, understanding what's your origin story? How did you actually land your first job in tech and what actually made you attracted into going into that technology industry instead of a a different one?
1: So I actually landed in tech almost by accident. Um, I had been working outside of tech for a number of years and a friend of mine had started working at a technology company. And so she was running the sales training program and we'd worked together previously and she Kind of recruited me over and said you know i could use an x i had sold before so you know and we actually were roommates for a while so we knew each other really well and she recommended me for a job on her team uh, to start as a customer sales lead so that's what i did and that's how i've been here ever since it's been a long time i won't go into exactly how many years but <laughs>
0: I think that's awesome. You know, being in tech, it's it's challenging, right? And, you know, having a sales role until, until now, you're moving from sales now into customer experience, customer marketing. Has it always been that trajectory from sales and now into customer marketing? Or have you moved around a little bit?
1: I have moved around a little bit, for sure. So when I started, I was actually in sales operations um, and did that job for... I want to say probably about a year, um, and then went into sales support where I was actually in a sales um, in a sales office, um, and then that led me into my first job and first role um, as a sales rep, actually in the city, and so I did that for a number of years, um, sold both here and then on the East Coast for a while for the same company, um, and then came back and went into a program um, role, program manager role um, at Apple, with at the encouragement of another friend of mine who had heard about it. And I was at the time I was living back East and I wanted to come back to San Francisco. And so she was like, I think I have a job opportunity for you to interview for. And so that was my first marketing role um, at that time. But I did start off in sales, um, which I liked. I don't think I would have been one of those people who had a long sales career. I liked interacting with customers, but I really didn't like being on quota.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I can, I can uh, testify to that as well. And so thinking about it, you have Apple under your belt. And then based on some of the research that I did on you, you have Salesforce under your belt, you have New Relic under your belt, and I believe VMware under your belt as well. Mm-hmm. All very strategic, hot tech companies. Um, I wanna dive into you know going into driving change. Um, and that's a little bit about what Onapolitech on is about. It really focuses on women of color, standing their ground, being really good at what they do and being who they are inside the tech industry, even though you may not, you may be the only one um, in that arena. Um, sometimes it can be lonely. Sometimes you can feel uncertain about things. How have you been able to push forward and
1: still be successful? You know, that's a really good question. I mean, for me, it's all about doing the best job I can do, um, no matter what that job is. So whether I'm a sales rep whether I'm a program manager for marketing, whether I'm leading a team of customer marketers, it really doesn't matter. It's like, it's always been very important to me to do the best job that I can do. And I think when you have that attitude, then you, cause you know, all of us are gonna go through some level of diversity um, in our careers, right? Adversity, excuse me, um, in our careers where things aren't gonna go exactly as you want. You might wind up in a job you don't like very much, you know, the the dynamics can be varied. And if you're focused on the work, what I have found is that helps because the reason you're there doesn't change if you're in the job that you want to be doing. And for me, I think it enabled me to have the patience that I needed some time to navigate some, you know, some of the adversity. Um, It gave me the, certainly the courage and the resilience Of, like, no, I really like doing this job and I'm good at this job. So, we all have those voices in our heads that come in that, you know, all it takes is one person on any day to plant that seed of doubt or for you to make a mistake, to plant that seed of doubt. And me, like a lot of women, like, you know, I think we're pretty tough on ourselves. And so, when we feel like we've made a mistake or someone plants that seed of doubt, like, the voices in your head can go crazy. If you can get grounded in why you're there, just remind yourself, you know, I do this today on days when I think I'm like, I'm just not having a great day. It's like, wait a minute, let me stop and take a pause. Why am I here? What's important to me? What do I love about this work? And it really helps to center me and just remind remind me of my purpose. And if you don't know what your purpose is, this is when it's going to become super hard because with without being able to be grounded in that anger, go, hey, this is this is my line. These, this is where I want to play." And without having that kind of a firm grasp on it, that means that other people, situations, circumstances can really throw you off course, and you probably wind up making decisions that aren't the best in your best interest. Um, you know, with obviously, you know you're moving forward with good intent. But if you're really vacillating back and forth, then I find that that makes it hard to kind of be the one, be the only one in the room um, because you're just not your confident self. You're not your best self. But when you have those values and that work ethic and passion for your work, then, you know, to me, that's my triangle. I'm unstoppable in that way. You know, we all
0: deal with some level of, am I good enough? Um, and, you know, you have these quick wins. But I think that when you are different in an organization, um, you're constantly trying to prove yourself and then you have these quick wins. But what was it, what happened where you actually were, were able to take a step back and actually realize it's not a you problem. But when you look into Silicon Valley, you realize it's just not um, that diverse. It's changing uh, finally, but it still has room to grow. And based on your feedback on making sure that you stay unstoppable or you continue to be unstoppable, making sure you remain confident in what you do and taking it back to the basics, the core of why you took on a job, um, what are you know some key takeaways that you would say uh, would go well in Silicon Valley to make people feel more confident, especially if, they already, if they're already great at their job?
1: I think one of the things, and this is probably gonna sound extremely simple and basic, and I think it's really important is you have to take care of yourself first, um, you know, and me in my twenties, I'm sure lots of us did when we were in our twenties, people are doing it right now. And they're literally not thinking about that, right? Like you're thinking about, I want to make a good impression. I want my promotion. I want to make sure I'm like progressing in my career um, in the way that I see myself progressing. And sometimes we can forget about taking care of ourselves. like things outside of work, make sure you have balance. When you put everything into your job and you leave no energy and no space for other things to complement the energy that you're putting into your job, then when things happen at work, it has the, the, you know, it has the possibility of just really getting you off your feet because it's almost like you're putting all your weight, your pitch, your whole weight forward versus being really balanced on both feet. And if you're all the way forward and you slip, you're going to fall. Whereas if you're standing up straight, your balance, things can happen, someone can bump you and you're still going to be standing. So, I would say very first and foremost is really take care of yourself. Do the things to remind you that there are things that are going to happen at work or things that are going to happen with people that have nothing to do with you. And it's going to impact you, but it's really not about you. It's about them. And it's so hard sometimes to know when it's not you and when it is. And I, again, I'll speak probably for a lot of women where we look at ourselves first. I know I have this conversation with my friends and we, like something goes wrong. It's like, oh, what did I do wrong? You know, let me make sure that everything I did, that I did all the right things. Um, And then I'll try and fix it, but I'm so less likely to like look for someone to blame in that situation. And I think those are the times when we really need to be able to fall back on things outside of work. So when it happens, it's like, oh, you know, this is a, just a little jostle. It's not going to send me tumbling to the ground. Um, but I've definitely found over the years, like having a balance, having things that are important for you outside of your work and outside of your career. This helps you bring a stronger, more resilient person to work because you know that, hey, the world is bigger than this. Um, You know, I've done a lot of volunteer work over the years and I volunteered for many, many years on board of Breast Cancer Emergency Fund and AIDS Emergency Fund, both based in the Bay Area. And I will never forget one day I was at work, you know, on my computer, on my phone, I got a ping, I got an email from one of our staff people. And she's like, I need you to sign a check because we provided financial support for low-income breast cancer patients. And she's like, I need you to sign a check if you can today. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, just send me the, you know, send me all the background and send me the check. I'll get it signed and send it back to you. And what we had was one of our potential clients had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, was metastatic, and had made the decision to um, stop treatment so she could be at home with her kids and her husband. And her husband had lost his job. So she and her husband had stopped eating so their kids could eat and not be hungry going to school. We found out about it and we provide financial support. So we were like putting everything in action. And you know, she's like, Is this? Do you, will you sign off on this? I said, absolutely. And what it reminded me that day was that my job was paying my rent, it was, it was my job. But the work that I was doing to support this organization, that was feeding my soul. If you have both of those things, it is, again, it's going to be very hard for something or someone to knock you off your game. It doesn't mean you won't get tousled and jumbled and, you know, lose lose sight at times, as we all do. But if you've got, I'm firmly firm relief, if you have a really strong foundation, there will be something that will pop up and remind you that this is just a job. And one of my friends, oh my gosh, I can't remember. She was in comms for a long time. It used to be a TV reporter. She goes, Cynthia, you know, it's, it's PR, it's not ER. And, um, you know, I say this all the time. It's like, unless you're a doctor, first responder, I'm pretty sure that your job will be fine while you go on vacation, will be fine while you take care of your kids, will be fine while you get your massage. It's like, just keep the balance. Um, really, really important.
0: I love that. I think that's incredible advice. And I think it's important to, like you said, have that balance, right? So in tech, and I've experienced this myself where I make my entire job the number one priority. And I think that's when I've seen myself burn out the most as well. Um, And so correct me if I'm wrong, but making sure that you have balance and have hobbies that feed your soul um, is very key when working in Silicon Valley, right? Mm I think that that's awesome. And I think that, you know, that brings me into my next question. So we definitely know what brings you joy from an outside perspective, right? Um, So what brings you joy in tech?
1: That's such a great question. I think there are two things that bring me joy in tech. I'll let you know a little secret. I'm a bit of a geek and I love technology. (laughs) I love seeing what we're doing with technology. like, I think it's just the, the infinite piece of it, right? Like, technology is going to continue to grow and change, continue to grow and change, continue to grow and change. And I like that about it. And I love when I see technology that's being used for good. I love when I see technology that is being used to improve everyone's life um, on our globe, on our planet. And so that's one thing. And then I think the second piece is, I really like hearing what people are doing with the technology, what customers are doing with the technology, which is why I'm in the work that I'm in. Um, Those two pieces, like that excites me um, about being in the tech industry. And, you know, we all get frustrated with it. There's all, you know, we've got challenges for sure. Um, We do not have enough female women of color in key positions. I'll just go on the record of saying that. And a a host of other things that we need to address from an inclusion perspective. And those two things excite me about being in tech, um, is talking to customers, seeing what people are doing with the technology. And then just, there's just the geeky part of me that just loves the technology. I haven't, you know, I'll try any app. What does this do? Oh, let me see, see how that works. Um, Whether it's for me personally or even for my program. you know, I really ad- like adopting new technology to even run my programs at work, support the work that I'm doing.
0: I love that. Um, you, you bring up another great point too, um, you know, not having enough diversity and you know having the gap in uh gender um and a list of other things um and i think that you are a one prime example from what i know of you of being part of that change number one and actually being active and making sure that change continues and it's not just you know a spare moment you know where this is important and then it dies down um So my next question for you is, what advice would you give to someone looking to create change in tech right now? Um, And then when creating the change, is this change not just for today, but how do you create change for that next generation that's going to enter into that world?
1: I think there's so many different ways. I mean, again, like even though we're shelter in place and most of us are working from home at least until next January for me and maybe longer, um, depending on, you know, where you're working and so I think we have a lot of opportunity because we have a little bit of free time on our hands. We won't be able to go out as, you know, as freely as we would like. Um, but I think one way of making the change and doing something is creating communities, like partnering with people that you really like working with and that have that same allyship. They, they perform or they create a very... Um, like a safe place to explore about ideas. And it could be like, you know, everybody doesn't want to create the next new thing. Um, But I feel like there's a place for everyone in making a change for and showing kind of young people, hey, here's an example of what you can do. And, you know, me as a manager, having an inclusive and diverse team has always been one of my key tenets is I don't, you know, it's like the more different ideas and perspectives you have around the table, the more high performing of a team and the better work and the more innovation you actually have. And I know they've done research to say like diverse teams are good business. I want to do it because I think it's the right thing to do, and if you need a monetary reason, it is there. Um, It is absolutely going to make your business more profitable if you have a diverse team, you know, a diverse set of uh, work, you have a diverse workforce. So I think that's really, really important, like find a project you really, you'd like to be involved in. Do your part um, when you're partnering, when you're hiring vendors, when you're interviewing for your team, as you interact with your peers. Um, you know, I'm old enough to have been working when there weren't a lot of women, when there weren't a lot of women of color, and there certainly weren't a lot of black women. Um, you know, I was the only black woman in my sales, on my sales team when I first, when I had my first sales job. I was lucky though, because there was, we had, um, our tech lead was a black woman. And then we had my, my roommate and my, my coworker was Asian. So we, still managed to like have that, but yeah, I was still the only black salesperson at the time. And now that is not the case in most companies. So I think go for go for what you want, like just keep focused on that. Don't let anybody tell you you don't deserve to be there. Um, Cause it's just not true. We all deserve to be the place we wanna be. And from everybody that I've met in tech and worked with lots of different people, we're all smart, hardworking, and we have something really to offer. And I think just not taking no for an answer, um, you know, and folk, for me, it's been my focus around the work. So I think sometimes I get so focused on it. I'm actually not aware of the progress um, that's happened or that's been made. And I'll, you know, someone will say, oh, but what about this? And then I'll look up and go, oh yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Um, so just remind yourself, give let yourself celebrate um, the successes because there are going to be times when it's going to be hard. Um, So definitely celebrate the successes.
0: Maybe as women, we actually forget to celebrate because we're moving so fast. And it's, you know, we have one accomplishment and we're just on to the next thing to achieve. Uh, But we actually don't just take a moment to cheers ourselves and just live in the moment. And then before you know it, the moment is gone. (laughs) So... So I think that is best practices. I think we do need to get better at just taking a breath saying, "Wow, that was great." Um so that that's nice and you know this kind of leads me into my my next segment of questions for you. Um you know, leading during new times and current events and I have two particular events that I want to highlight with you and get your take on. One of course is we're living in a time of COVID. You know, we're living in a time where we actually cannot go into the office. Um, And I know on your end, you manage a large team. And I want to get an understanding as to, number one, still driving diversity and inclusion. That's key, but now doing it from home. But then also keeping the momentum with your team and actually worrying about your team's mental health, I believe, is key now during times of COVID. Uh, What... Are, what are your best practices um, when it comes to your team, your team dynamic, still making sure that the core beliefs of driving diversity and inclusion is still put in place? How do you ensure that and at the same time still you know keep your mental health at a good stand?
1: Um, you know, it's a it's a big lift right now, I think, for anyone who is leading and managing a team to your point we are not only trying to take care of them be really aware of their mental health and their well-being we're trying to do the same for ourselves and for our families and it's so important to remember to put your mask on first so you know i have a few things that i do regular you know every single day and i do them without fail i meditate i write in my journal every single day um and i try I try to meditate twice once in the morning once in the evening and i try not to miss it and um, And for for the most part, I don't because it's just like, I'm going to have a cup of coffee, so I'm going to do the other two things before I do that. Without taking care of yourself, it becomes almost impossible to take care of a whole nother group of people, much less remotely when you can't see them. And my team is global, so we're not even all in the same time zone. So it's been really important for me since March, since we really all went shelter in place, is to do a few different things. One, I, the way I lead and manage is to always have a create a space where my team feels psychologically safe to talk about how they're feeling, you know, be open and honest with their opinions, all of those things. And in the time of COVID, that became table stakes um, in terms of checking in with the team. Um, you know, I did a whole thing where, I, especially in the beginning, I was writing emails reminding people to take a break. Um, you know, we're now July going into August and a lot of us have not taken any vacation time because everybody's like, I can't go anywhere. So why would I take time off? And that is not the attitude we get to have right now. We want to, we're good, we have a long way to go. It's going to be a marathon and we need to take breaks. So I took the fourth, the week going into the 4th of July, I took off, closed my laptop, turned off my work phone and just did a bunch of other things. Even though I couldn't, you know, like go to the beach and do all these other things that I would normally want to do and, you know, leading into the 4th of July And even just having that break was hugely helpful. So I'm right now, I'm sure my team, anybody who listens to this is like, oh, again, with the PTO. Yes, you need to take your PTO. No, I don't care where you go or what you do, as long as you close your laptop and turn off your work phone. Um, Because it's so important. You know, it's like, I love to get massages. I haven't had one in five months. Probably not going to have one for another six, seven months. Just get creative about what those things you're doing. And so I probably have spent more time kind of doing those check-ins with my team. Because on any given day or week, you just may not be having your most productive day. And allowing everyone permission to not only have that day and not feel guilty about it, to have that day and take the time off that you need, and to be open and honest about it if you're not having a productive day get on to chat, not having a productive day, gonna knock off early. That is absolutely okay. That is the thing to do. Um, we recently had this, um, someone shared with us, it's called, it's okay, and then it says dot, 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 and you get to fill in whatever it is. So when I, I use it for my out of office now, and I put on there, it says, it's okay to take a break. And then you know I just list the dates that I'm gonna be off work. But doing things like that reminds everyone one, they're in a group, they're in a group on a team that cares, and that their mental health and their well-being is so important. Um, I've sent a couple emails where I've just said the most important job you have to do today is take care of yourself. If that means you can work, great. If it means you can't work, also great. But that's the most important job. And I think for all of us, especially during this time, the elections are coming up. We've got COVID. We've got, you know, Black Lives Matter. We have diversity include like all these things we're trying to do. And these are not things that are going to take two weeks, three weeks, seven months, eight months. This is ongoing work we're going to be doing with ourselves um, as a community. And so really important to kind of pace yourself in a way and make sure you're taking breaks. Like there might be a time you do not want to watch the news. I know I've taken several social media news breaks. I'm on one now. I feel so much better when I take them. Um, And because I know if anything really drastic happens, my mom will call me and share that news with me. Um, You know, I'll hear about it. But that's one of the things I've had to do to take care of myself. Um, And so I'm encouraging my team to do that. So I'd say communicating as often as you feel comfortable, but really being vulnerable and being authentic in your communication. So that is another thing that's really important to me is that I don't, want anybody to ever get a message from me and feel like, oh, she felt like she had to send that. So she's sending it. Um, I send it because I truly want to stay connected with my team. I want to know and understand how people are doing. And I want them to know that I'm going through the same thing. I'm shelter in place. I'm having days where I'm not productive. I'm having, you know, it's like I went through a period where I don't think I realized I was starting to get a little depressed. And, but one day I was like, God, where's my energy? And then I realized about halfway through, it was just like, oh, maybe you're a little down today. And, you know, I think it was probably like April. So we'd been shelter in place for almost two months. And at that point in time, I think all of us started to realize, oh, we're going to be shelter in place for longer than May and probably longer than June and now definitely longer than July. And so I think I had a little bit of shelter in place fatigue where it was... The first month, I felt like, again, really emotional for a lot of us because there was so much change going on and people just figuring out how their life was going to be with shelter in place. Then I felt like once we got into April, kind of got into a little bit of a rhythm. So things seemed to not, I don't want to say settle down because I don't believe they have it all. But I think we just started to adjust and adapt to everything that was going on. And then I definitely think in May, like there are a little bit of fatigue and exhaustion um, around it which is why this summer, like, it's so important. I can't stress it enough. Please take some time off, read a book, hang out with your kids, social distance with your friends, um, cook, I'm a big stress cooker. So I have been cooking a lot and I've been baking a lot. So, to kind of, but it helps me relax and it helps me release stress. Um, I have a, fever full of, a freezer full of food. <laughs> <laughs> and the minute we're not shelter in place, I'll just start sharing it with everybody.
0: That makes sense. I like that. I mean, I think that those are all valid points, especially, you know, COVID, we, we couldn't plan for it, you know, so just making sure that you can move with the point, the the, the different moments, but also just realize you have to take care of yourself. Um and then you brought up another good point, uh, or another good topic that I want to touch bases on, which is the social justice that's going on. You know, Black Lives Matter, um, and Black Lives Matter has been around for quite some time, but for the first time, it's actually made a positive impact on the world. And with that, I want to understand, you know, how do you feel Black Lives Matter has made an impact on Silicon Valley, um, and what are your take? on continuing, um, that movement.
1: So I think the impact it's had is that the largest tech companies publicly stood up for, I think the first time in a very long time, and certainly not at the level of investment in terms of programs, the commitments to changing how they're doing business. Um, in some cases, some of the companies are looking at how they're even making their products. And I don't think we've ever seen that with any of, this, of, of the social justice movements we've, we've, we've seen in the past. Um, this time was definitely different. And you know how it's like, I don't know, I'm firm believer that things do happen like kind of almost at that perfect time. And I think this is a pivotal moment for everyone with this movement and it's needed. And what I want to see is that this movement changes systems that we know are keeping us from being as diverse and inclusive as we can. And so that's that's kind of the vision I see and the impact that I want to see long-term. And I think with companies giving lots of money, you know, Jack Dorsey, Mark Benioff, like every they've, they've stepped up. And that's a good thing because these are the people that have made a ton of money off of these these very communities. And we need them to step up and step up with commitments that are going to be able to make an impact. And that that's what I that's what I'm starting. That's what I'm seeing initially. And I do believe I think us when I say us, I mean everyone, every one of us now has, I think, enough momentum and wind at our backs to keep this going until we reach a world where we no longer have to do this work. You know, I recently posted, USF, University of California, I just hired its first Black president. And, you know, it made me happy and proud and I shared it. And after I did that, part of me thought, I really want to see the day when this is not a big deal, where we're hiring a great president. We don't have to tell you we're hiring our first Black president. So, you know that's that's the day I want to see when I don't ha- when I can stop sharing all of those things. Um, and even better, the first female <laughs> president, like right? Like I just want to get over those things and have a world and, and, and create a world where those are no longer big deals. That is how we live and work and play. Um, is that as, as a much more inclusive um, and equal society.
0: And on that note, I sort of want to move to tips, right? You know, I think you touched on a lot of different things. Um, Number one being having, you know, uh, hobbies outside of work. And then number two, making sure that you reevaluate and know that you are confident and you know how to do your job. Um, And then third, moving into, you know, the times of COVID and Black Lives Matter movement. When you think about it, that's another segment of how to deal with change, is how I look at it. And, you know, if we think about five years from now, 10 years from now, there's always going to be something that we have to adjust to. Um, and so with that said, being a woman of color, you know, identifying as an African-American woman, a a leader in, in a big tech company such as Google, leading a global a global team, what are tips that you want to give to the world on how to be a better human being, you know, and then also how to be a better person in Silicon Valley, not just when you think about brilliance, you know, if you make it into tech, you are brilliant, Um, but making sure you understand that you have a duty to be a good person and to be a part of that change, regardless of what color you are. Um, What's tips on that that you would like to share?
1: So I think in terms of self-care, I mean, you know, I kind of said that's like, just be, put your, put your mask on first. develop rituals and habits that allow you to do that. So it, it's something that just gets ingrained. So just like you're going to get up and wash your face and brush your teeth, you're going to do whatever that thing is that helps center you and ground you, whether that's meditation, for some people it might be prayer, what, whatever it is that that is going to bring you that sense of grounding and just remind you of the beautiful, amazing person that you are, that you are smart and you have a good soul, and no one can take that away from you, no one. No one at work, nobody outside of work. And we often just need to remind ourselves of our beauty. And you know, I say that with beauty in capital letters, so not physical beauty, but our beauty, because all of us have, we all have beauty. And being able to walk into work and walk through life with that every day, I think will make you a better human Because the beauty that I see is the person who is kind, the person who is empathetic, the person who is smart, who is helpful, um, who wants to interact with people and treat people with respect and with dignity, everyone, Um, and stands up for people who who need a voice. Um, you know, I think there's a time in all of our lives when someone is our voice. When we are little, it's our parents usually. When we get to be, you know, teenagers, it might be coaches or teachers or other friends. But at some point in time, we all need our posse, right? Like we all need someone to be our voice. And so if you take it as part of your responsibility and I take it as part of my responsibility to to be always be the voice of the person who can't speak for themselves, then suddenly the world is very, very different um, because then... You can't look away from a person who is in need. You can't look away from someone who didn't have the benefit of maybe a stable home life, who maybe didn't have the benefit of having a financially secure home life as they were growing up. And you can look at them with empathy and say, oh, how can I help that person? How can I mentor them? Um, How can I support them? Because they deserve everything I've got um, and more. So again, like if you, and it's kind of an old fashioned tenet, right? Treat everybody else as you would like to be treated. And it's so important because if you do that, the world becomes a much kinder, gentler planet for not just the humans on the planet, but our environment as well. You know, we haven't really talked about that, but, you know, there's an there's an equity, racial inequities in our environmental um, realm where we have people living in places that are unhealthy and they tend to be low income and they tend to be mostly communities of color. So how do we correct those things? And again, give back to this world so we make it a better place. Um, mentor and ask questions and keep your friends. Um, and it doesn't mean you have a cast of 200. It might mean you have three or four, it depends on, you know, depends on you, but have somebody, have your people. Have someone who, when you're feeling down, when you're feeling unsure of yourself, who will remind you of your beauty, who will remind you to do those things, to take care of yourself and help, you know, raise you up. Because again, we all have our ups and downs. And when you're you're not having your best day, you just want to know that there's somebody there um, that will have your back, that you can vent to, that you can call and share and get advice and guidance um, and celebrate. We have to remember to celebrate celebrate the wins, celebrate and gratitude. You know, for me, that means gratitude. And I again, I try to do that every day because it reminds me every day just how fortunate I am to be in the job that I'm in, in technology, in the Bay Area. Um, These are all blessings. Like this is, I have a rich, rich life. And so I always want to be grateful for it. And I think if you are, then when, again, when we go, walking into these situations that are less than ideal, you're strong. like we got this and I think that is so important that when you because the voice of doubt always comes like trust me, it, mine shows up probably a couple times a week. Um, I've gotten really good at swatting it away. <laughs> and there are times when it persists the little bugger. And just remind yourself, like, that's not you. That doesn't define you. Someone else's opinion doesn't define you. Um, Your doubt doesn't even define you. And just when you start feeling that way, know that there is another voice. And sometimes talking to someone, sometimes listening to music, sometimes listening to a podcast, but getting some outside inspiration and reminders of the good person that you are, I think enables you then to turn to an industry and be in a place like Silicon Valley and staying grounded in those values. When I think about where things have gone wrong in the Valley and in tech, it's where people have lost their humanity. They have lost their sense of value and worth and their sense of purpose. So if you remember your sense of purpose, it won't steer you wrong. You know, I'm doing things in service of my community. I want to make this world a better place for, you know, the generation that is coming, the generations that are coming up behind us, behind me. And rem- when I remind myself of doing all of this, then yeah, because I'm, you're, we're all part of tech, right? So you can look and say, well, tech's not all bad because we're all there. Um, and I think what we're starting to do a better job of is raising those collective voices that want this industry to be known for being fair, for being respectful, for being inclusive. Like that's the industry, that's the tech industry that I want to be a part of. And I think starting to see some of these companies kind of get their aha moments in a big way over the last six months, that gives me hope and that makes me feel good.
0: I feel inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I needed that. Thank you,
1: Cynthia. Oh, you're so welcome.
0: And so, um... You know, we're. I'm going to get ready to close this out here. But based on all of the tips that you shared, I think that they're phenomenal. I've taken plenty of notes just for my own my own uh, day to day. Um, my question for you is, you know, what's next for you? As you're driving change at Google, you're driving change with your nonprofits, you're also driving change with the ERGs at Google. What does 2021 and beyond look like for you?
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> I say that because right now I cannot imagine that I'm not going to be still talking from my dining room table next year. I haven't given it a lot of thought, but here, there's a couple of things. One, in terms of like continuing to drive change at Google, and I'll talk out of my ERG hat and out of my kind of job hat. So I do a lot of work in customer marketing, and I now want to kind of really start to add more of the insights and the customer experience part of um Kind of customer marketing and customer programs so from a work perspective i'm working really closely with our customer success team for example and i want to continue to do that and just educate myself on a lot of the different ways we measure insights and how that can really make an impact to the work that my team does um, as customer programs and then i think on you know kind of the erg side and the personal side is continuing to set and create a place where we can have ongoing conversations about diversity and inclusion and systemic racism Because I think that's what we need to do. We need to have conversations, all of us. And it's not going to be easy. I was explaining it to someone. It's like, you know, when kids are two and three years old and they're trying to talk, when they fail, we don't tell them to shut up and not talk. We tell them to keep talking. And I think that's what we need to do as a society and as a world is to keep talking. They're going to be hard conversations. Um, They're going to bring up just fear and anger and anxiety and sadness and grief and we need to still keep talking and there're going to be days when you want to talk about it and days when you don't but we still need to keep talking and make some one of the things I hope is that we make this changes in systems to help us really accelerate the progress that we want to make um, I don't believe us as the humans in charge of all of it are going to be able to do it by ourselves, that we need we need structural change. Right. Because how we got here is built on structural on built on structure, on structure. Um, and structure that was built to create bias and the racism that we see in our country today. And just like we created that, we can also change it. We can dismantle it and change that system and change the structure so it's more inclusive. And I believe if we do that for the Black community, we will do it for the Brown community. We will do it for all underserved communities. People suffering from mental illness, like all of those things really become part of this conversation at some point because there's inherent bias in all of it. Um, The racial bias we see is very evident to our eyes. And I believe the systems are impacting not only black Americans and black people around the world, but it's also impacting other people who are underserved.
0: Yeah, that is 100% true. Um, I'm looking forward to the change. I think that we have gotten off to a better start. Still, tons of work, but I'm very grateful to have people like you inside the tech industry striving to make the change and also be innovative. You know, you have done incredible work, especially with customers, and now you're working with Google customers that you're driving change, not just for their day to day, but you're changing the world just by making an impact on ensuring their success. Um, so I commend you. I'm very grateful to have you on the podcast. Um, and for everyone out there listening, uh, she will be um, also available on our Slack channel on, on Tech. Um, And we also have a blog on Cynthia to go into a little bit more about her background. Uh, but thank you so much. It's been wonderful.